Good morning, everyone. This is your host, Jawad, at Kingdom of Dreams podcast. Today, I'm going to be reviewing this wonderful book, Designing Jaws by Joe Alves. This is the front cover, and this is the back cover. And uh, it's written by Dennis L. Prince, and it has a foreword by Greg uh, Nicotero. Uh, Greg Nicotero was also the uh, makeup artist on the film. And I'm just going to pretty much go through this. It's published by Titan Books, um, and it's provided to us by Titan Books for a review. And uh, it uh, it is pretty much uh, covers everything from the standpoint of uh, production designer Joe Alves, who also did production design on Steven Spielberg's Sugarland Express, as well as uh, Close Encounters of Third Kind. Here we have a table of contents and. Um, and the uh, sh electric shark, as you can see, the amount of hydraulics uh, and everything that went in there to make this. Here are some stills with Joe Elves and uh, uh, Greg Nicotero, I think that's him, yep. And the visual effects technician, Roy Arbo Arbogast, right here. And it has a great foreword uh, by Greg Nicotero. It talks about that how back in the day, production design would pretty much visualize the script right uh, it would set the tone for colors for palettes and it would just visualize everything that the director is trying to put on the big screen uh, but now everything is digital so this is it has amazing amazing storyboards notes designs ridiculous amount of them in this book um, and it has a preface by Dennis L. Prince uh, this is a photo from a um, movie theater I don't know if it's dated back to 1975 or not uh, but still good to see that it looks it looks rather old uh, but I don't know if it's that old and there's a quote in there which talks about back in 1973 if somebody said shark uh, on a beach uh, people be like what where but after Jaws everything changed and that is so true that if you actually put uh, Jaws theme uh, on a beach uh, even in a swimming pool uh, people would uh, recognize it. I'm not sure about the, the new generation, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do because it's such a popular theme. Um, this, this is some great uh, design work from Joe. Um, it talks about, uh, it has an introduction that how Jaws was bestseller for about 40 weeks. There's a great story of how Jaws landed on Spielberg's lap when he was wrapping up Sugarland Express, which, was, uh, which starred Goldie Hawn, another great film. So producer uh, Zanuck Brown, who produced uh, Sugarland Express and Jaws, uh, he got a hand of a uh, he got a hand on the manuscript of the book. And before the book was even published, he wanted to see if they could pitch it to Universal Studios and uh, and get the ball rolling. Hired Joe, and he did all the design work uh, before the book was even published. So the book was published in I think. 1973 or even four um, and the film came out in 1975 um, here we have uh, a great piece of uh, artwork this is some electronic work and some wonderful wonderful um, pictures and this is a cover of the book 1974 double day and company that's the publisher this is the uh, opening sequence. All the um, work that Joe did, uh, pretty much setting up uh, artwork for Universal executives. And this is the sequence of the boy uh, being attacked. 
Look at those. I mean, they, they look... They just look so simple, yet they are not. This is a great, great piece of uh, art. Look at these. There's the fishermen attack on the local fishermen, which is... I mean, these are pretty intense and graphic. Look, he's being completely chewed up by uh, the shark. This is as visual as it can get. Uh, and that's, that's what helps on the film sets, too, that how uh, you know, you need to have that visualization uh, before you get into production. This is the cage sequence at the end with Richard uh, Dreyfus uh, when he goes down in the water and how it's being broken by, look at the teeth, look at how much detail there is. This is, this is fantastic. Look at this. This is, this is just, I, I, I didn't know that this book existed. This came out four or five years ago or even seven years ago. And it's literally uh, told from the point of view of uh, Joe. Uh, obviously, you know, there's stuff in there by Spielberg and everything, and the producers, but mainly it's uh, uh, Joe's perspective. So they had a meeting at Universal Studios where they said that this film could be bigger than Earthquake or Heidenberg, which was um, some of the biggest movies before Jaws that came out, but they didn't expect it to be as big as it had become. And there was a suggestion made to manage the budget, the film should be uh, shot in a studio tank, but Spielberg completely um, shot the idea because of what he had seen in The Old Man in the Sea with uh, Anthony Hopkins, I believe. Not Anthony Hopkins, sorry. Anthony Quinn. Anthony Quinn. Um, and it just doesn't have that same thing. You know, when you're shooting wide shots, when you're shooting um, anything to show the, the actual vast, the vastness of the ocean, you can't do that uh, in, a, in, a, in a water tank. Pretty much, it's, it's, gonna look, it's gonna look, you know, fake with the fake skyline in the back. And it's, it's not the same. And then when they started planning how to build a shark, the question was how big the shark would be. So there were talks of uh, it being about 20 feet or 30 feet, but then the later they agreed that uh, it should be about 25 feet long. And these are some of the sketches of um, how it would be controlled with a gimbal arm of it coming on the water and then on the top and then going down. Um, so one of the things they, they didn't do was uh, if you notice in the film, there's no shot of the shark um, going away from the camera. And they couldn't do that because um, all the electronic work, the, the hose, everything would show, which actually worked in itself in its favor, because um, you, you see sh the shark from the front as you, you know, if you're sitting on a boat and you see a shark coming towards you, it's going, to be look, it's going to look more scarier coming towards you as opposed to going away from you. So it's a psychological thing with the audience. This is the uh, design work. Early sketches determine the relative proportioning of the shark. Texamani. And this is Joel's four feet, 
four foot relief sculpture to be used a design pattern for full size shark. So this was used as a reference point. And then when they were trying to figure out how to build it and everything, they brought uh, on board Robert A. Matty. Robert A. Matty worked on um, a lot of films, including Disney's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, starring Kirk Douglas. I, I remember watching that film uh, as uh, a kid, and it has, if you watch it, I still remember very, very vividly, it's been a long time since I've seen it, there's a secret, whenever, whenever that underwater submarine comes out, you can see its, its front and it looks like a sea creature. And I think that's what they were trying to do when they were making the film and even when the book was written, of course. Um, here's all the work that they are doing, uh, constructing this arc inside in and outside in. This is all the mathematical, if you want to call it, design work where the pivot joint would be. Um, and with these sleeves over, more sketches. Hurry up, get that done. You can't do a damn thing until we get this undone. Get that untangle up there. I'm doing it! Hey, fellas! Fellas! All in the sheet, make it fast! Hey, you guys. You guys okay over there? As they started making the film, the script was still being written, so, and Spielberg really didn't want to do that. He wanted the script to be completed. But, you know, with the studio executives and Steven Spielberg, not the Steven Spielberg that we know today is, um, caved in. And so what they decided to do, they decided to shoot all the non-shark um, shots first while the script was being completed. And then, you know, after Peter completed it, Spielberg gave it some uh, nudges. Um, and then following that, Carl Gortlib came on board, who's actually written a book on this too, which, I, which I'm going to go over one of these days, maybe down the road. Um, these are some of the um, early breakdowns of where the shark would be. It's the original breakdown notes written on the pages 9 and 12 legal pad based on Peter Benchley's script. Everything is in here. Everything. This is like loads and loads of pages, even like some notes that correct. Um, the work that he was making, working on. And then going back to what I was talking about earlier, that Bob uh, Matley, who was uh, who had worked on 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, he came up with this uh, elaborate crane arm and uh, a gimbal platform that would rest on the bottom of the ocean. When they started the production, um, they realized that they would need to build multiple sharks because you know it's not going to be as easy just to do one and what if something goes wrong with it um, this is a chapter on discovering amity island it's a really nice story a really cool story about how they ended up shooting on martha vineyards um, so there was a lot of suggestions by producers to go here to go there um, based on the book uh, references of the of the uh, towns and communities and spielberg really wanted to shoot somewhere in massachusetts 
So the story goes, Joe basically uh, wanted to go and check out this place called uh, Nantucket Island. But there was a snowstorm and uh, the, the, the boat was sent back. And when he was back on the dock, he saw another boat that was going to a place called Martha Vineyards. And he hopped on and he went there and the rest is history. And based on his notes and based on his quotes in the book, he saw something there that resembled what Peter Benchley was describing in the book. And obviously they had to build quite a bit of things um, to make it uh, equally balanced and work, make it work with the uh, um, uh, Peter's vision. And then when Joe came back, he showed Peter, uh, sorry, he showed Spielberg some of the visuals, some of the pictures, and uh, and the rest is history. There's a photograph of young Spielberg with a with a camera, photography camera. This is Jaws production office, Zanuck Brown production at uh, Martha Vineyards. And uh, and there's also a story that how originally the opening of the film was there was a beach house and the two leads come out of there and you know they go into the water and the rest is pretty much what the opening is but Spielberg decided to change that um, last minute he wanted to have like a beach party a bonfire and I was watching the film recently and the opening of the film it still resembles the way Spielberg's does his uh, coverage you know you don't have cuts you just have a camera on the dolly moving from left to right and you start seeing the people on the beach they're being revealed and then everything else kind of goes from there this is uh, the picture of Quint's shack um, well this is the model but basically they let them the the city let them build it only under the condition that it would be taken down and restored to the way it was before slow ahead I can go slow ahead come on down and chump some of this shit Joe wanted to reflect on Quince, the character, Robert Shaw, played by him, uh, his persona, which it certainly did. There's a big board with all the photos, the Polaroids. Um, this is the Orca. So yeah, so Peter Benchley's novel came out in 1974, around the same time when the production began. And uh, they pretty much... Um, started the production in April uh, because of book's popularity and they wanted to sort of tap into the audience, says Psyche, right away. Um, and they finished everything more or less in two months except the finale, the last act 
of the film. And that was supposed to just take a little bit of an amount of time, like a, you know, a few weeks, but it turned into about two months. Um, obviously for the reasons of uh, shooting in the middle of the ocean and how the salt was constantly tormenting with the shark and they had to rebuild it and they had to fix it and they had to bring the other one. And, and yes, here's Steven Spielberg's picture. And then there's 43 pages of the last act um, storyboard, just, just crazy amount. Look at this. It even has descriptions. I'm just, I'm just gonna flip through it, but there's tons. It just keeps going and going. Oh, there's even more pullout, so it's more than 43. It's about good 48, 49 pages. I'm just kind of skipping through it right now. I don't want to go through the entire. Um, so. When the film was done, their main concern was, when I say the film was done, I mean um, the production was done, their main concern was that the audience, if they end up laughing even for a little bit during the viewing, um, then that's it, the fear is gone, right? Um, and so what they decided to do, they decided to bring in some shark experts um, named by Ron and Valerie Taylor um, and to give their opinion and so the reason for that was Verna Fields who's the editor of the film um, didn't know what to cut and what not to cut based on the movement of the shark so because she's not an expert in shark she wouldn't know if she was going to cut something that was legitimately how sharks moved uh, underwater or not so when they were brought in and they were given some feedback and the rest is history and the rough cut was made and and that was pretty much it. Um, so this is just pretty much the ending of the book. Great visuals. And the fact, I mean, as, as most of you know, the story about how Shark not working ended up being in the favor of the film because you don't see the shark for a long time in the film and you don't even see it in the previews. And then, then if you see the trailers of so many film, films that Spielberg has done, whether it's produced or directed. I mean, look at Jurassic Park original trailer. Um, you don't see a dinosaur in it. You just see T-Rex's feet, you see raptor's nose, you see raptor's claws, and maybe, I think, a, uh, a brontosaurus neck, and that's pretty much it. So less is more, and the less you show, the more int intrigued the audience becomes. And the same thing with the film that Amblin Entertainment produced called Harry and the Henderson, which is about a Bigfoot. Um, if you look at the trailer of that, you don't see it. You do not, you do not see the Bigfoot in any way. Um, and this is a credit at the end. Production designers Joseph L. Special effects by Robert A. Knightley. Robert A. Knightley. And um, yeah, and that's that's pretty much it. Um, so a great book. I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, grab it from Amazon or your local bookstore. Um, I knew quite a bit of stuff that was in there, but I learned a lot new more stuff. And then aside from that, even if you know everything inside and out, which I highly, highly doubt, unless you're a hardcore Jaws fan, uh, there's, there's just some great things here. There's just beautiful, you know, visuals, um, sketches, storyboards, photographs, um, everything. It's just fabulous. So do get it, and then next time when I do go back to Jaws, which is not going to be 
next time as the next couple of weeks. But beyond that, I'm going to go over this book right here, which was also provided to us by uh, Titan Books. Um, it's called Jaws Memories from Martha's Vineyard. A definitive, a definitive behind the scene look at the greatest suspense thriller of all time right here. Thank you guys for joining in. I appreciate your time and do come back next time uh, for news. And then on this Tuesday, uh, the conversation that we're going to have is going to feature someone who worked on the released film by DreamWorks Animation, which is up for an Oscar, Puss in Boots. Like, subscribe, share, and have a great day.